Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This year, Leaving Certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Welcome everybody to Blood and Mud, the podcast that today knocked down a wall with a £15 hammer. I mean, fair play, that must have been you because I don't remember doing that. Yeah, it was me, which is okay, not unlike, I had, I had a feeling of what it must have been like to be England's pack on Saturday. <laughs> swinging, a a, swinging a lammer, hammer while some bricks just fell over, you know. Yeah, sort of the opposite of anything that happened in Rome on Saturday, really, <laughs> yes, where indeed. people swung hammers and just missed the wall entirely over and over again. More of that later. Uh, I indeed. am Lee, over there is... Uh, I'm Josh, hi. And uh, if you want to get in touch with and say hi in that way that Josh just did to him, how do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner is the uh, preferred it place is. of contact on Twitter. You've had quite a lot of, pre- well, non-preferred, suboptimal contact over the weekend, haven't you? I've noticed there's been a lot of, a lot of, I mean, a lot of arguing. I've got some full and frank discussions with people. Um, very few of them were absolute cunts this time, though. So, well, you know, you I'll take that as progress. Nothing done with disagreeing, is there? I Indeed. am Lee, obviously, I've already said, and you can get me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. We are on Acast and we're on patreon.com slash blood and mud. Thank you, everybody who gives their support. But a few Jeez. more people join this week. I'd like to thank Gareth Raw Reese, who upped his contribution to the VIP lounge because he's sick of England with all them and he wants to come in to where the action is. Who can blame him, frankly? He too can blame him, and I hope he's not too disappointed when he realizes there is no action in here because we're old. So yeah, indeed. that's that. We begin as we always begin with a player spotted. Um, Pie face MJW writes, 
Last year, my friends and I went to the Italy Island game. Mm-hmm. After an 11-hour drinking session, I was sleeping on the floor at Rome Airport. Yes, classic. <laughs> um, and it was the coldest place. It was as it was the coldest place I could find. Why were you trying to find a cold place to sleep? It's probably because it was boiling hot. Was it boiling hot then in Rome? I'm guessing Sorry, it yes, must have okay. been, yeah. Um, a huge shadow fell over me, says Pie Face. As I opened my eyes, Tyg Furlong was walking past, followed by <laughs> Rob Carney. He says, I told my two friend... Two very different shadows and very two very different, different shadows, yeah. complexions of men there. Uh, I told my friend and I went back to sleep. End of story. There you go. I mean, there we go. It's uh, it's short, it's sweet, it's uneventful, but I like it. It happened I in Rome, you... which is more interesting than we would like it to be. But yes, it was Monday. Yeah, yeah. If you want to get in touch with the play spotted, you can write. I'm on the DMs and my DMs are open. And and you can also write to me, leeatbloodandmud.com. Let me know if you've seen a player doing something particularly boring. I yeah, don't know. The more, as you said, the more mundane and boring, the better is always yeah. what we Maybe like. Maybe you've seen so. Jack Singleton trying to renew his library card, not realising that libraries don't really exist anymore. Just, something like that. Yeah, and if you do, it's probably all digital these days anyway. Yeah, it's all digital. You can get every, things you can get at libraries these days, Josh. Unbelievable. Yeah. You're walking, there's about four books... Yep. in there, but about 100 computers and all that stuff. There endeth the public service broadcast on behalf of the <laughs> libraries by me. Um, so then, um, do we want to talk... Do you want to talk about the weekend? Well, there's some... Have we uh, got we to gonna that point already? News, God, we've got some, there in oh, three was, minutes. Oh, yeah. we do news? I've forgotten about the news. news Have you got some news? Because yeah. I haven't. Uh, the news is uh, Eddie Jones has found his calculator again because uh, England are going to be ten percent fitter in two weeks' time, <laughs> according to uh, after Saturday. It's, it's, I, I he'd lost it for like two years, and I felt that he, you know, he's really maybe that's the difference. Maybe that's why England was so good on the weekend. He finally found his fitness calculator, and it was all over the shop. Yeah. Um, Where the fucking hell's my abacus? He was saying, <laughs> fuming all through the world, back end of the World Cup, the lot. I mean, you know, if you think about how, as a percentage, how much fitter must they be since he took over in 2016? <laughs> 20,000%. 20,000% to the power of two fitter than they were. Basically, when he took over, they were basically just like a pool of lard on the floor when he took over. They must have been, because they're now basically, so much basically, fitter. I think that's basically it, isn't it? They were basically like jab at the hut level fit, and now they're just fucking... Clearly, just amazing. Well, look at them. In in other um, news, the Ospreys won't yes. have to go to Italy. Yeah. So all basically all sport in Italy this weekend has been called off because this coronavirus thing is getting pretty fucking. Do you know crazy. who else was meant to be going to Italy at half past six on Saturday morning? <sighs> Lee. Me. Was it you? Oh, yes. mate. I was meant to be going. <laughs> With my, the present Mrs. Calvert uh, to uh, Venice at half six on Saturday morning. And we now yes, have, well, I suppose, what you would describe as a dilemma about what to do. Yeah. I, mean, I guess I what think... else we don't have as part of this holiday preparation because we've been in the middle of all this mess. Insurance? Correct. Oh. I, I mean... guess they we're flying with, so they're bound to be very sympathetic. Uh, Ryanair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've 
Fair play. You You'll rolled. fucking fly oh. to Venice and get a disease. That's what you will do. <laughs> Ryanair will say. And you'll pay and you'll pay a euro to shit yourself on the way over <laughs> in the toilets. Yes. In fact, we uh, put a twenty-seven percent coronavirus <laughs> avoidance surcharge on your flight for some reason. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I've I've once had a, not a, quite a similar dilemma, but I did once have a thing where I had to decide whether I was going to get on a plane to Miami in the middle of a oh, hurricane. Oh, I remember this. That's when ago. you were having a full-on meltdown on Twitter at Finnair or something, wasn't it? Uh, it, was, it was Norwegian. <laughs> Norwegian who were like, yeah, we're still, Sorry, apologise yeah, to Finnair. Yeah, we're flying in. And I was like, flying in. It's like, yeah, the hurricane hits the, the morning after. It's a danger to life. And they were like, yeah, but we can fly in on the day. It's like, so what do you expect me to do once I get there? And they were like, don't care. <laughs> Not my problem, pal. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably just get washed into the Gulf of Mexico, to be honest. Yeah, crack on. Have a sort of Wizard um, of Oz experience. That's what fucking yeah. America's for, isn't it? Enjoy yourself. Maybe, maybe touch down in Cuba. You know, who knows? <laughs> I'll be allowed. Um, yeah. Going back to your point, though, like nobody's talking about it yet, but um, this coronavirus thing, particularly in relation to Italy, could have a pretty... Remember that year that like foot and mouth meant that... Oh, the yeah. Six yeah. Like... England have got to go to it. Have they got to go to Italy or Italy coming to them? They've got to go to Rome, haven't they? Yeah. On the last are. week of the Six have, Nations. Yes. Um, yeah. That could have implications. If that game has to be postponed then and played in fucking November or something, we could not know. Because given that the Six Nations is now unbelievably tight between mm. France, Ireland, and England. Who who's to say? <laughs> what I mean, good... That foot and mouth year. Um, what I did like about that foot and mouth year, if nothing else, is that it gave a new and novel way for England to fuck up the Grand Slam Six again. Yeah, so... yeah. I mean, maybe maybe this is what will happen again. You know, England will go to Rome in November when traditionally Italy are usually at the best they'll be all year, and maybe Italy will win, and that'll be funny. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just it's it's the only team that... that Italy have not beaten yet still is England. Yes, In so maybe that's what we need November. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah, so the Ulster and the Ospreys games are off. Yep, which I mean is is kind of enjoyable for me. I was flying into Treviso that... actually as it goes. Oh, I was oh. trying to persuade you know the, the present Mrs. Calvert to does she want to hang around Treviso for the day? She want to pop to the Ospreys game or the yeah. Ulster game, I should say. Yeah. yeah. And she said, if you I mean, want me to continue to be the present Mrs. Calvert, then no. So. Then fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And rightly so, to be fair to her. Um, yeah. It's, as an Ospreys fan, I'm sort of like, as much as we sort of, we seem to have got a bit of our fucking spine back and a bit of our gumption back, I was still ex- roundly expecting us to go to Zebra and lose on the weekend. So any weekend that I don't have to watch the Ospreys or Wales lose is probably quite a good one as far as I'm concerned at the moment. I'll take it. Any more news? Uh, yeah, not really. All the usual news, but who really cares? Let's be honest. Well, Ben Franks is retiring at the end of the season. Oh yeah, That's I saw that earlier. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Red Path has signed for Bath. Oh yeah, I saw that as well. That's interesting. Because mm. I mean, he's obviously given that they've bought seven million fucking outside backs over the last three or four years. He's clearly not getting much of a. And he he'd be, he could be a very good signing for Bath, I feel, given that they sort of lack a little bit of stardust in the back mm. division, particularly when Jonathan Joseph and 
Anthony Watson are injured or away with England, which happens quite a lot. Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> one or the other, a combination of the two. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sounds like it could be a really good signing. So that is the news. Here All endeth the news. Yeah. Zero. It gets a bad rep. Like when people say they have zero interest in something. Well, if you're thinking of buying an electric car this year, you'll find this interesting. Because at Nissan, we see the power of zero. Introducing the Nissan Leaf Power of Zero offer. Buy a brand new 100% electric zero emissions Nissan Leaf and get one year's free servicing, a free home charger, the lowest electric finance offer on the market and great savings on running costs. Now that's the power of zero. Find out more at nissan.ie. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. So, now then, shall we talk about the weekend, now we've got through that? I probably, yeah. Yeah. Where do we want to start? England, Ireland? Uh, yeah, we better add, because if I start talking about Wales, I might not be able to stop. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if ever there was a sort of advert for the pitfalls of the evolution versus revolution approach to team sort of transition, yeah. uh, it's everything that happened to Ireland on Sunday, which, let's face it, was exactly the same as what happened to Ireland against England twice last year, but with slightly less humiliating scorelines because England both aren't as good as they were this time last year. And to be honest, you just kind of stopped bothering after about 60 minutes. I wrote, uh, I was covering this game, so I wrote at half time how amazingly like a facsimile of the game last year it was. Honestly. England straight out the blocks with Manu Tulangi carrying like fuck. Nothing. They learned abs... Brian Driscoll said at half time on on the coverage, like... Just because something works once doesn't mean that you then have to try something different. Like You just keep doing it until the opposition has an answer for it. Hmm. And so Eddie Jones has just gone, well, that worked fabulously twice last year. I mean, we might as well see if it it can work a third time. And the answer is emphatically yes, really fucking easily, without you really having to do anything. The it is an interesting thing, though, isn't it? What, what, is it? what is it that England did, really? And the, diff- the weird um, thing, the interesting thing for me is... The it that they did was become a terrifying forward pack again. Well, yeah, <laughs> which they, they have not been doing for about three games. They yeah. were clearly psychotically pumped up, but they were psychotically pumped up at times against France and you know against Wales last year. They were pumped up, but the difference is that you just have what happens seems to happen when they play Ireland is that they shit themselves about Manu Tuilagi to the degree that everybody else is allowed to just carry with impunity. And Which is weird because in Aki and Henshaw, you're not exactly putting out, you know, a powder puff thing. midfield, are you? I mean, Aki I mean, too, like he's a big lad. Terrible but... on the weekend. Like he did absolutely nothing with, like, you know how he usually looks like at least carries hard. 
and kind of has that little burst thing that usually gets him over the game line. He did nothing. And Henshaw did nothing. And it was just like, are you lads the same two blokes that looked sort of dynamic and physical? He did, but like, <laughs> what I mean, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> it's like, I was just... I mean, if I was an Island fan, I would just be losing my mind over the manner of this defeat. Not so much the defeat, because I think that most Island fans sort of probably thought that there's a fair to middling chance that a team sort of in transition as they are might come off second best at Twickenham as any team can do. But like the manner of the defeat again, Mm. the absolute fucking showing their arse dreadfulness that they basically did from minute one. The difficulty is... It's hard to... Well, no, it's not hard. You can have a go at a back line, but it's very hard when your forwards are, just, are getting that beasted that quickly. It's... I mean, Ireland had a grand old time versus Wales because Wales are currently the most generous team on the planet and will give you as many mistakes as you need and as many defensive openings as you need to score as many tries as you need to. But... Like it just was proof, I think, that the malady that affected Ireland last year, particularly in terms of their their back row, and basically any any of their forwards that isn't called James Ryan, looked incredibly fucking pedestrian. James Ryan just decided to be an absolute twat in response to yeah. what was happening all around him. It was just like everyone around me is fucking shit. I'm so just going to be a complete ev- yeah. asshole because that's the way yeah. I see I'm getting our team out of it. Yeah. Which, to be fair, wasn't actually the worst idea because at least he was putting himself about physically, not always legally, but he was, you know, that was an, as an abrasive performance as I've seen him put in. And he had to because there were times, you know, big Devin Toner, what the fuck is he still doing in international rugby? Like, he looks crushingly slow. That back row looks crushingly slow with Peter Romani in there. As soon as Caelan Doris came on, instantly mm. there was a zip. Yeah, that lovely little outside break, didn't he? Then fed Cooney he on really the inside, did. yeah. Um, it's... I don't know where... Um... If you're going back... It's difficult. People say, stop having a go at Murray and Sexton because what you're supposed to do when you're going back was that much. I think the first thing is they didn't help. It, they didn't help the situation. Not kick terribly. That's the first thing, yeah. And it's a bit, you know, remember what we said about Ben Youngs of the week. You know, this is what ninety somehow this is what ninety-five caps of experience buys you when you're going backwards was throwing the ball into touch. I do yeah. think it's right to say to both about Sexton and Murray, you know. So this is what all this experience buys you when you're going backwards, is it? Yeah. Some really awful <laughs> kicking and some really, I mean, Murray in particular was honestly mystifying. That moment, that moment where he like basically pointed to Maro Itoje when he was going to box kick and made the ref march him back six inches so he was <laughs> on site and then that. still got charged down anyway. It's like, that should absolutely not ever happen. Like, <laughs> fair play to Itoje for being an absolutely amazing athlete and still charging him yeah. down. But when you've literally looked at him and gone, he's going to charge me down. Ref. And then you just let it happen anyway. You've had a fucking mare. He was terrible. Sexton was somehow worse. It was... I mean, Sexton couldn't kick off the tee or anything. It's like his foot was made of porridge, man. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I've never seen him play that badly. I suppose yet... it's easy for us to pick holes in it. What, what, you know, what, what should they do? I suppose, what should they have done in the face of going backwards? I think they could have 
change the point of the attack a little bit more with some pods and actually got that moving, which they didn't do yeah. because they well, were they getting did a just bit killed. The end. Yes, and the, but it was inc- so easy for England. It was just like. Run, tackle, run, tackle, run, tackle. And, and it was just kept so... walking forward. I, I, wrote, I commented at one point, I said, this is just so, basically, whatever I didn't do, they're just going backwards. Well, it's really interesting that their sort of strategy to deal with Wales, because Wales set themselves up defensively to basically counter Ireland sort of driving through the middle game, right? And so they just spread the ball really wide, really quickly. They got the ball in the hands of fucking... Um, of their outside backs, and they caused real damage that way. And for some reason, for, against England, they just went, well, we're going to go back to carrying through the middle all the time again then. And England just went, well, we fucking battered you when you did that last year. <laughs> Twice. So why would they not at least try doing the thing that they got some fucking real returns out of against Wales? Because the ball was coming out and going... Like, fair play to England's line speed, obviously, because yes. it was fucking phenomenal. But at no point did Sexton try to, you know, chip it over the top. Did he try... That Was there even any kind of mispass really tried? It was just one, two, three, get tackled, six yards there, behind there the fucking no, game line. There was, he, he wasn't bringing anybody off his inside shoulder to try and change even the angle the, of what was going on. He didn't even try the Sexton wraparound. No. That he really was, was out of source, wasn't he? Honestly, if you'd told me that he'd sort of basically had someone Tony harding him just before the game. <laughs> I would have fucking absolutely believed you. Another thing Murray did as well, that one where the penalty, not the penalty, it was an island catch and drive in a line out on the five metre line, England's five metre line. Exactly the one you're left, talking about. When they caught it and mauled it and started to bring yeah. it forward and England really wrapped it up. Yeah, and 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 you and could the and everyone in the shouting use it and he just didn't use it. <laughs> everyone in the whole stadium could see what was coming. And at yeah. no point, but he just ripped the ball off them and say, "Let's go." It's it was, they it were, was I mean, discombobulated most, is the word. I think they were just all over the shop. It was one of the most bizarre performances by a pair of experienced halfbacks that I think I've ever seen, to be honest. And I still don't understand. Like, I don't believe it's all because England's pack was unbelievably aggressive and physical and quick. You know, because. I mean, fuck me. They've probably got nearly two hundred caps between them. Hmm. It's it just doesn't make sense. And I, I said half time. I said I'd be tempted to. I'd be tempted to throw Cooney and Burn on because they can't do any worse. Yeah, and, to and, be I, fair, and at least Cooney, like, with the way he runs, he will use. He will run with the ball in such a way that it might make that England rush tackle line rush slightly more it, honest. And it did a bit when he came on and. You know, Ireland improved with Burn at 10, which is something I never thought I'd say. You know, it's like... Hmm. It does... it all. Of, you know, for all of the goodness that they played in the first two weeks, like, it does really make you wonder what Andy Farrell is thinking, sort of persisting with a player who's, you know, going to be 36 at the next World Cup as captain and fly off. Hmm. And a player who's going to be, what, 34? Do you think he would be if Carberry was fit? I mean, I think you don't name him captain if you're not of planning. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, Ooh, nice like one, mate. James, make James Ryan or CJ Stander. There's a little bit of a clue that he's going to stick with him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if it's just for the tournament, you know, if or if he'd just gone out and actually said, this is just for the Six Nations and the captaincy will be reevaluated in the summer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but I haven't heard it. You know, maybe I'm wrong, and I'm sure Island fans will tell me. But it's just like they looked. You know, as I said, results against Wales don't count because of how badly and like accommodatingly Wales are playing at the moment in terms of grading outside off performance. But like, you know, South Africa are going to come at them like that. New Zealand will come at them like that. You know, fucking Dave Rennie's Australia will probably come at them like that. Fuck, France will come at them like that. It's like Sean Edwards' fucking defence will sure as shit get in their faces. And you just think, how are you going to build something for the future, even with, you know, Mike Catton evolving the fucking pods and all of this sort of stuff with a guy that is, you know, basically older than I, is going to be older than I am now at the next World Cup? It doesn't make sense. To talk about England then, the um, yes. the forward pack kind of, I suppose, we kind of covered that because it speaks for itself. They were, they pulverised them. And, yeah. um, and the it wasn't even close. No, and and the and absolutely everything Ireland tried England had answered to, had attacked it to, either they wrapped a maul up or they'd get in and disrupt a breakdown enough or they'd win a penalty, you know, or, or rip it, a it, ball it out. How pre- demonstrated how predictable Ireland were on attack. That They really did just... Absolutely nothing Ireland did, with the exception of, like, basically a number, an athletic number eight galloping down the wing, mm. which you know was something that we haven't seen much of from Ireland <laughs> over the last couple of years. Is athletic sort of mm. fast back rowers, you know, that it speaks a lot that that was the only time that they really looked like they were in panic stations. Other than that, you know, they they had an answer for absolutely everything. But the sort of creative triangle that England had of Ford, Farrell and Daly, was, that was the most obvious difference for me for what everything that we've seen for the past few weeks. Daly in particular, who does this sometimes, he has these games where he keeps popping up in the line and having this wonderful sort of short and long-range kicking game and, and stuff like that. Unbelievably talented player, you yeah. know. And then no he has another game where he, where he fucking sh- spills yeah. loads of high balls and stuff like that, but... There's no excuse for him to look as shit as he does a lot of the time, really, let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. George Ford, again, really impressed me. I think Farrell was more obviously yeah. present, but I think Ford, the way he moves up to the line with the ball and the way he fizzes yeah. out for both hands it's, when he's playing like this is is wonderful. He's, really. un, he's undeni- like He is undeniably a player to, to get the best out of him. You require a sort of unprecedentedly dominant level of pack, which is... Can be. I think that's true of every player. But when he is on the front, fair. even when that's true. But like he, he he doesn't really fizz in that way unless the pack are well on top. But he's demonstrated in the last couple of weeks that he can still still make things happen even when things aren't going necessarily the plan. Not as well, well, but it's he's really developed his game over the last eighteen months, and he's sort of becoming the player that I think. England fans thought he might do about five or six years ago, but then there was a sort of period where he sort of just turned into a slightly sort of hat stand basket case. And yeah. Yeah, I, I think that there's no better just, he player. He basically ran the show. There's no better player in the world than him, perhaps, arguably, I hedge my bets here, than that. No better player than him than when you, if you give him an extra four yards with the ball. And that's the difference that a dominant yeah. pack brings, isn't it? If you give him an extra four yards of the ball, he is lethal. More so than anybody yeah. else I can think of, really. And he's so quick. 
over that. He's not really sort of a flat-out pace kind of guy, but he's got that burst of acceleration in the first sort of five to ten yards, which can cause so many problems for a defensive line. Because he does, and you saw him do it sort of a couple of times on Sunday, that sort of arcing run off nine where he sort of gets on the outside shoulder of the 12 and all of a sudden he, and he hits the Jets and the 12 shits himself because you don't even sort of... Because he doesn't move that fast normally, but then he just has has this extra burst that he can very occasionally kind of bring to bear. And Ford played a massive part in, you know, being 17-0 up at half-time. Yeah, I, I wrote at the time, I said, I don't need a fucking miracle here now. Yeah, that, this game, as soon as England scored that second try... I said, game over. They are fucking done. And Arna did their best to come back in the first seven minutes of the second half. They scored that try and stuff, got that scrum under the post and scored from it. And it was like, but it all just, and again, England just, it's almost like England pulled themselves under the post and just went, let's just go back to fucking ruining everything they try, shall we? Yeah, all right. Yeah. And that's what then happened. So Yeah, and that's the thing. At no point when Ireland scored that try did I think game on. I thought, oh, well, England are probably going to have to score another one just to make this safe. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and then they basically stopped. And that was all she wrote. That... Yeah. Like, one thing that did sort of, like, one area where Ireland definitely did uh, beat England on the weekend was the comically illegal ruck entry, <laughs> uh, which, I mean, honestly... They take a lot of heat fun. for this, right? They take a lot of heat for this. But are they are they definitely worse than anybody else? Just trying, I'm just think, trying to be fair. I notice it with, the, like, like I'm, I watch a lot of rugby. You watch a lot of rugby. Mm. I am unbelievably jaded to incredibly dangerous <laughs> flying into rucks because we see so fucking much of it. And there were about four or five times in that game on the weekend where... I went fucking hell. He's got to blow that surely. Like a <laughs> yeah. kind of, about three of them was CJ Stander, basically just turning himself into a fucking low-flying missile and flying shoulders first into anything that got. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if someone from World Rugby has a word with the IRFU at some point in the next fortnight and says, "Look, you cannot keep fucking doing this because it's so fucking dangerous." And there's obviously that one that's doing the rounds on Twitter where. Basically, yes. half the Irish pack dangerously clears out half the English pack in a space of about four and a half seconds, <laughs> and it's like, and it's not just the fact that it's the it's the English players they cleared out were all like sat on the floor about two meters away from the rock. Yeah, like... I think the rock was clearly over, and they're just going in for some extras and some afters, and all the time, fucking Jacko Piper's just sitting there, just going, "Yeah, crack on, lads." That man is a preposterous buffoon. He's a fucking terrible referee. He's, he's not, the, the, not the only fucking terrible referee we saw this weekend, but by some distance. But like, honestly, if if you can look at some of those breakdowns that Ireland did and were flying into on the weekend and say, yeah, that's what rugby's about, I don't know what to fucking tell you because, like, it didn't bear any like like what a clear out supposed to be at a ruck and what they were doing at times was just like. A million miles apart. It's become and... a little bit like New Zealand and the offside line, or their relationship with the offside line, hasn't yeah. it? To the point at which you're like, I don't blame them if they keep getting away with it. Yeah, no, go, go, you know, go so it, it's it, the, the frustrating and mystifying thing is a bit like, I don't know why they're not, and this isn't the kind of, oh, I, it's just, I don't know why they're not being called on it because it looks 
out of order to it looks me. Unbe- it looks terrible. And if other like, teams are getting looks- away with it as much, and, and I haven't noticed, I'll hold my hand up to it, but they shouldn't be getting away with it either. It's just Absolutely that I haven't seen more but to do it a bit more. I don't certainly seem to do it more, and they seem to do it more egregious. You know, this some of those fucking flying clearouts were proper fucking Becky's both on Adam Jones level <laughs> dangerous on the weekend. And not what a single one of them was blown up for. And I don't really, I still can't understand why. Sorry to kick you when you're down, Ireland fans, <laughs> but you know. No, so it wasn't great, um, which is, I mean, it was difficult because I wrote, you know, before the game, I said last week, we were both saying, I don't know where England are at the minute. I just don't know where they are, mm. whereas I know where Ireland are. You can see they're actually, yeah. you know, this evolution thing and he's put it, he's, he's got them playing for each other again. There's a few little bits of attack that are coming in. It was always going to be difficult to take a trip to Twickenham, but I didn't expect that. Well, I was thinking that in, in any ways, in many ways, it again, hasn't helped. Because I don't, still don't really know where England are, because because why can't they do that all the time or something that looks like that? Well, and like also that. that just that just felt like England doing a cover version of their own song. You know, it's like we'll just do exactly the same as hey, what's worked in the past. It's a fucking lads. belting song. Why, wouldn't, exactly, why wouldn't you do exactly, it? Exactly, indeed. And Ireland, obviously, you know, <laughs> looked like all of all of the oh. sort of frailties that they had last year were exposed all over again. And it's like, well, who's who's moved on here? Who's progressed here? Who's gone backwards here? I don't know. Like, if England back it up next week against what uh, fortnight's time rather against Wales, then yeah, maybe they are back. And to be honest, with you, I would fancy them to absolutely fucking batter Wales in a fortnight. But and if Ireland can get some sort of result against Italy and then beat France, you know, well, we'll still they'll still be talking about potentially the title. So. Yeah, I still don't fucking know. I do not fucking know. That bit about a cover version remind me of that when people asked Lemmy, "Do you ever get bored of playing Ace of Spades?" and he said, "No, of course I don't. I've heard it. It's fucking brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> and that's my that's my take on that performance by England. If that's the cover yeah. version I've got to live with, then if that's a song yeah. I've got to hear again and again, then I'll I'll live with it. But it is a does it only work against Ireland though? That's, that's, that's the, the thing. That does it does it only work against Ireland and, and New Zealand yeah. in semi-finals of World Cups? That's the only. Yeah, that's the only thing that we've got. <laughs> not bad thing, not bad situations no, to have that in your locker for. But yeah, right then, I am um, going to. Um, well, is, is there anything else you want to add before I sit back, relax, and and let you talk about Wales? Yeah, I mean, no, no, we should talk about Wales. Um, and I don't want to sort of detract from France because I genuinely thought they played very well on the weekend. They were comfortably the better team. They comfortably deserved to. To win, and if Wales had somehow sneaked a win, I think they would have massively not deserved it. The reality is, though, Wales have quite often made a habit over the last eleven years of winning games that they had absolutely no fucking business in doing. And honestly, are you? Do you find it as ungracious and tedious as I am that Wayne Pivak seems to just do nothing but trot out fucking excuses? Whenever. I thought his pre- his yeah, his something. interview at the end of the game was disgraceful. Quite frankly, I thought it was fucking like <laughs> it was atrocious. For the, last, for the last fortnight, everything that a Welsh coach, particularly him, has said in front of the press, has been moaning about refs or moaning about the opposition. And honestly, it makes Wales so fucking pathetic. All the while, refusing to be in any way frank about the obvious shortcomings of his team, his ethos. And he's just—he's coming across as someone for whom this job is con- 
quickly getting too, too big. And he's, he's like... Can you call it this quickly, point, though? Can you call it this quickly? No, you can't. But case, case in point, like I said, after that game, he could he should well have come out and said that Wales were guilty of overcomplicating things of attack, of shockingly poor execution when they were, when they were in the red zone and they had a man advantage. Defence, once again, did some mad things. But instead, what did he come out with? There were lots of positives. It's just disappointing about the decisions we feel, we feel aggrieved over. It's like... So you contrast that with what his fucking captain said after the game, which was Alan Wynn as in perhaps the most angry I've ever fucking seen him after a Wales game, where he was like, it can be very pretty, but it's not winning, which is about... <laughs> um, ultimately, Test Rugby is about winning, and we just need to do that pretty quick. People say a lot has changed, but that's just an excuse. Change is just an excuse. We had enough ball to capitalise and get enough points, but we were on the receiving end. Yeah, I, I did, that did happen a couple of times. Yeah, I agree with everything he said there. You know, they had plenty of ball and plenty of opportunities to win. The attack was pretty, you know, but overcomplicated and didn't get it done. And the reality is, like, Warren Gatlin was fucking right. And three million armchair pundits and journalists were fucking wrong. You can't have it both ways. Like, you want to have structure, solidity, and be hard to beat a test level, you have to sacrifice certain elements of expansive, exciting, attacking rugby. They're not... I just don't think they're entirely compatible at this level. Like, for 11 years, Wales have enjoyed the benefits of a team that more often than not was hard, organised, physical, and generally got the job done. Not always. Sometimes Mm. we were shit. But for big periods of the last 11 years, they were an excellent team. And in in two games of Wayne Pivak's glorious revolution, he's totally undone that in the service of playing effectively like the Scarlets did in the Pro 14. And, like... It grinds my gears, to be honest, when journalists currently queue up to have a go at fans and I, um, by extension, I guess, me, that, oh, this is what you asked for. But I don't think anybody did. Or if they did, in a classic Brexit way, they they, <laughs> they weren't really aware of the repercussions of what they were voting for. People were very frustrated with Gatland about four years ago. There were some, yeah. there were some questions about, look, mate, how do you want your legacy? Some people losing. Yeah. yeah, I joined Legacy because you don't seem to be able to adapt anything yeah. to actually do anything about this. And then he just got back to winning and everyone just climbed yeah. down a bit, really. Yeah, but people thought, oh, you know, Pivot's going to come in and he's going to build on the sort of foundations that Gatlin and Edward laid down and basically sort of bolt on a fancy new sort of expensive game plan, expansive game plan onto the top of what was allegedly there. But the reality is, I don't think it's possible because you take one, you invariably break the other. Like, does anybody honestly think that Gatland, a New Zealander and a fucking lifetime rugby man, doesn't want to play attacking, attacking attractive rugby? He did what he did because it gave his team the best chance to win and he is the most arch of pragmatists in possibly in the history of rugby union. And Wales fans are realising very quickly that you can't, you know, it's basically like sticking a fucking space rocket onto the back of a 4x4. They work very well separately, but if you put them together, you're not going to get a very favourable result. Like... A high-risk offence, right, is just an, an anathema of a stable and robust defence. That just makes, like, surely that people can see that because, like, so much of having good, effective defence is about limiting the opportunities of the opposition to attack in transition or when you're not organised. And, like, if you're throwing it around to the degree that Wales, you know, Wales had fucking 14 offloads or something like that on the mm-hmm. weekend, which is more than they had in the entire Six Nations last year. Like... But then they also had 20-odd turnovers. If you give your, uh, the opposition 20-odd chances 
to attack your defence when it's in transition and in broken play, you're going to leak tries like nobody's business. And that's exactly what's happening. It doesn't matter how good your structures are. It doesn't matter how good your fucking tackle technique is. If you give a team that many chances, particularly a team like France or even a team like Ireland and certainly a team like fucking England, like, that's a big part. We conceded three tries for the first time at home in nearly 20 years in the Six Nations on the weekend because we made it fucking easy. And, like, and you're quite right to say, you know, is it too early to sort of go in on them? And I, I, I totally agree that they deserve a chance to demonstrate that they can make this work, even if it's not as defensively solid as it once was. But I just don't see how it works. Because I've seen everybody else, I've seen other teams try this. Remember Argentina? Mm. When they pursued fucking suicidal porno offload rugby at the expense of any kind of structure and went from being really fucking good to being the borderline yeah, shambles it, they are today. It was charming for about six months. Yeah. And then you were and like, I'm they're... fucking sick of this now because you're just, yeah. now you're just stupid. Yeah, now you're just losing. <laughs> I could, fucking... And maybe see the, um, you can see what it was. You're working your way through it now. That's fine. However, yeah. in about nine months, six months' time, you're just going to start looking stupid if you can't make this, or you don't rethink what exactly. you're doing. If this doesn't, if this doesn't stick, and and you know, we've seen Scotland try it, you know, and Scotland realised that you know you can play this really lovely, pretty rugby, but if you play high risk rugby at test level, good teams are probably going to punish you for it. The All Blacks don't fucking play like that. The All Blacks and, play heads up rugby, and of course, the, the ironic All thing is that the, rugby. the greatest bit of the greatest bit of interlinked sort of open play in the whole game was by France anyway. Oh, of course it was. Which was called for a forward pass, which, but you know, it was wonderful yeah. break and stuff like that. So, you know, that was kind of... That's the, that's the flip side of it. It's not fucking working at the moment. Yeah. Like, Wales still, Wales still threw back to fucking 2015 when they had a man advantage and were camped on the opposition line, didn't they? Yes. You know, they still looked fucking clueless <laughs> for most of the game on attack and created absolutely nothing. And... I just think Wales weren't broke, right? They were the fourth best team in the world. Yes, like four on, months, on the official like, measure, yeah. They were the like best team months. in the world not long ago. They were the best team in the world. Yeah, they were the best team in the world six months ago. They were the fourth best team in the world four months ago. And that was that legacy that Wayne Pivak inherited. And through arrogance or through being told to do it by the WRU, he just tore everything up. Well, I think the thing is, is that it's arrogance is a funny one. I think when you get the top job, when you're interviewed for it, you say, this is what I'm going to do. Because when you yeah. get a very top level job, you come along with, this is how I do things. If you don't want that, don't employ me. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't think arrogance... It's obviously a vote of confidence from the WR that makes sense. Yeah, we want you to do... And it did take him a little while at the Scarlets to get it rolling, but I know the Pro 14 is very different. And, of course, you're with the players every day in the Pro 14. Yeah, and that's what I think is the ultimate, you know, the only people that even pretend to make this kind of high offloading fucking attack from everywhere stuff work is Fiji. And that's because, A, they've got a team full of Fijians, and, B, when was the last time Fiji won the Rugby World Cup? I know there are other fucking structural factors involved there, but yeah. let's not beat around the bush. Fiji just as often beat themselves. Fiji lost to Uruguay. Beaten. Yeah. They were only Fiji a small country. 
Oh, why did you have to go and ruin it? <laughs> but, like, you know, they. How many times do we watch Fiji and think, oh, they've scored some fabulous tries, and then ultimately they've beaten themselves because they've made some mistakes and gifted the opposition some easy tries? And that's just what Wales are going to be like in 12 months' time. You know, they might well, do it more competently, but they're still going to be shit. The Welsh way, the way, Josh, yeah? When they get that ball moving, yeah? Honestly. <laughs> my dad most... says that. Ooh, when the Welsh get the ball moving, my dad's a football man, really. <laughs> exactly. you know? And I just go, yeah, dad. Well, yeah, it's a... The 70s was a long time ago, though. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, hey, the, the trouble is, who... the 90s wasn't that long ago, and maybe you're going to... No, and that's where we're fucking headed. (laughs) And anybody who thinks we aren't needs to look at three tries conceded at home in the Six Nations for the first time since 2003. This France team are good, though, to bring you back to their mind. They're fucking brilliant. 204 tackles attempted, by the way. Well, that's the thing. They They basically just looked at the Ireland game and went, let's not try and do anything too fancy here, lads. Let's just tackle the fuck out of them. And we will... It was like, must have been like playing in a fucking mirror for some of those Wales players because what France did, particularly in the red zone, was basically defend like Wales have for the last 11 years. Scramble and like Wales fuck, just, do loads of stuff that's illegal, but just get the fucking job done. Get away with it. Get away with it, yeah. <laughs> I, did love that Greg, I did love that Gregory Aldrich got penalised and then did exactly the same thing. Within yeah. 30 seconds to get himself exactly. pinned. Remarkable stuff. <laughs> and it was like, you could say, well, that's completely fucking brainless. But actually, no, because he's just prevented <laughs> that ball from coming yeah. out. And he's, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, glorious stuff, really. I kind of love that, yeah. though. And- a forward fucking doubling down like that within 30 seconds when you've just yeah. been just told not to do it is fantastic <laughs> stuff. And that's what's so great about them, because they do have, and then they have this lovely composure. I mean, that... um I've, I have to confess, I've not seen much of Arta Vincent before. The, the 20 already played too well. And I said at the end of the commentary, I said, he's not really done anything that I would write. You will look back to the commentary and you won't see me mm. mention him much. And yet, Just... I'm going to mention him now because he's been fucking outstanding. He is the very, like, if you, want, if you looked up a very tidy player <laughs> in the dictionary... There'd be a little picture of him right yeah. there. He's like a miniature just, Yannick Josie on. I don't, sorry, I, that's, I'm, I'm getting yeah. this is a thermonuclear take. I'm getting it too carried on now. Yeah, but you know what I mean. <laughs> in the way he carried himself in this kind, I'm just gonna I'm just yeah, do yeah. this quietly classy thing. All right. And yeah. Just I'm not gonna be showy. I'm not gonna do any miss threes. I'm not gonna step some footballs. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna make sure that the ball goes exactly where it needs to be. I'm gonna tackle all of the people exactly where they need to be tackled. Yeah. And I'm just going to be quietly, extremely composed about everything, which you can sort of say about the entire kind of French three-quarter line. Really, they're just entirely unfazed by anything, and are just like, "Yeah, we'll just get on with it, lads." We'll We're still be quiet. I mean, Peno still has to come back in this team. Yeah, who's? Let's not forget hot piss. And how the fuck? I know. We, I know people keep saying this, but how on earth was Boutier playing Pro D two? Honestly, 18 months ago. I cannot imagine how it happened. Honestly, God, he must have looked like some... He is brilliant. He must have looked like Michael Jordan got... or something back there. <laughs> and, he, you know, he... like they abs- Wales absolutely emphatically lost the kicking game on the weekend. You know, two tries directly as a result of it. It's, you know, it's not something we're used to seeing. But... It is 
you know, they they absolutely we we were shitting in the kicking game the week before, and France just went, yeah, we'll kick the leather off it, just like Wales used to do, and we'll wait for them to make a mistake and we'll score a try. It was so so Wales like the manner of that win. You know, France aside from the try that got called back, which was beautiful. Yeah, they didn't really do anything. Like, no, they just they no just ran of... a very very proficient game. Yeah, they played for the territory. They played for, you know, they contested well in the air. They waited for Wales to make an inevitable another mistake, and they worked and unbelievably fucking hard. Unbelievably hard, yeah. and like that's that's how you that's how you fucking win <laughs> test matches. Like, I'm going to be a fucking broken record about this over the next 18 months until Wayne Pivot gets sacked. But, like, it's honestly... There's like, no pulling him back from this, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, <laughs> Six Nations 2021, mark my fucking words. Um, it's... I just... I can't understand why why any, any sort of professional coach would look at that at Test Rugby and go, the best thing to do here is take loads of fucking chances, lads. Because hmm. this just happens. This is what's going to keep happening forever. God knows what's going to happen. I know when it doesn't feel right, lads, but just keep forcing it. It'll <laughs> all be fine. Um, Can you imagine what New Zealand are going to do to this mob <laughs> in the imagine, summer? Imagine the ra- the raving excuses Pivak will come up with after that. He has the vibe, honestly, he has the vibe of somebody that's basically just kind of been temporary. He's like the sort of the assistant regional manager who's been temp- <laughs> assistant to who's been the temp- regional manager <laughs> who's been sort of temporarily promoted to acting manager and is throwing his weight around like, I get that I just cannot stop getting that vibe from him in every press conference just, he's trying to throw his weight around and nobody respects his authority yet and honestly I, genu- I, I could not hope to be more wrong about this but like I just can't I look at I look at what he's trying to achieve, and I just think, well, you're trying to achieve something that nobody in the, else in the history of modern rugby has done, and I just don't think you're good enough to do it. Um, and but I look at France, and I just think, you boys, you're just doing the simple things, and you're doing it really well, and you're working really hard, and you're an incredibly likable bunch of lads. Who wear asterisk hats after games? <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. We got that shit. It's not culturally on. inappropriate when you do it yourselves, lads. It's yeah, great. that's all right. You can um, own it. You're taking it back. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, it's... but but it they were phenomenally good, and that halfback pairing is well that nine ten twelve that nine ten twelve yeah. average age of twenty one who look like they're living their third life on a rugby field. They are so wise. Yeah. Unbelievable it's, stuff. It's scary for the rest of us. They could, well, you know, without, it depends on how fucking Hat Stand Island are going to go after this loss, but they could win the fucking slam again. And at our level, you, I'd be bloody delighted if they did. Anybody who likes rugby, or pretends, pertains to like rugby, if you're not looking at that France team and thinking, I cannot wait to see what the next three years brings, then I don't, yeah. know, I don't, know, I don't know why you're watching. Because that is They're that's be everything so that good we want. They might not be, but the fact that what is... What they're presenting now, you should go fucking hell. I cannot wait to see yeah. what happens here. Yeah, they they've got you know, and one of the most exciting pools of talent that I can remember of a team in the modern era, all coming through at the same time. You know what and was different this week? That's so fucking rare. You know what was different what? this week? 
they didn't get completely what? and utterly shagged out at about at about minute sixty two. They somehow kept did, going, which shows that Sean was working very hard over the last two. Although I do think that if they'd spent less time fucking, if Wales had made them tackle a lot more for the <laughs> ten minutes beforehand, they might well have got shagged. But but as soon as they, they made one hundred and seventy-seven tackles, I don't know how many more tackles you can make them do. Well, just... Yeah, but it was like I just felt like. That when Wales scored that try after half time, mm. they basically needed to spend the next 20 minutes camped, basically do what England did, yes, and spend I the following it. 20 yeah. minutes camped in their fucking half. It doesn't really matter if you go anywhere, just fucking knacker them, and they'd have been fucking knackered. Maybe not as knackered as they would have been two weeks ago, because I do think their fitness has definitely improved, but they were ragged by the end. There were gaps all over the place. It's just Wales were too fucking stupid to exploit them. While he threw, but, well, the people always talk about that that intercept thing, don't they? You know, can you legislate for that? You know, what do we do about that? You know, we just, well, I don't know. Well, don't throw the fucking pass, mate. <laughs> don't throw. Like, well, I suppose if he did, if he had thrown it, if it had gone to one, then he was probably in, wasn't he? I suppose it's difficult. Isn't well, it? it was. It was still a like. Let's not forget that was uh, as as much as I will defend Justin Tipperick till the end of time. That was still an open side flanker on the halfway line. You know, hmm. it's not like he was running in there. They might have fucking still manufactured that into a try, but it was still like a risky pass to take in that situation. And this is obviously that the game plan is to take these risks, and sometimes it might work. But I think that in Test rugby, the risks you take more often than not are going to end up like that, with seven points the other way. Can we talk about the, the, the player formerly known as Gail Ficku? Because, I'll tell you what. Because I don't defin- understand this. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. He is, de- like, somebody was like, oh, he doesn't look very slow. He is still definitely too slow to be a test winger, but it was a yeah, fantastic but- bit of... Because he basically played... A, we It was a weird theme this weekend of centres playing on the wing and doing a very fucking good job of it. And he just basically... He was sat opposite Josh Adams and spent the entire game just basically shutting him down because defensively, you know, he's a defensive captain for France. He's very solid. Josh Adams had absolutely no room to work in whatsoever. And, and his kicking game was really good. And he, he randomly sort of, kept popping up all over the place to going, do these little prodding yeah. rubber kicks. And so, so he's he like, like, whoa, whoa, a, whoa I'm what's going going to be a I'm going to be a centre now. Gail, <laughs> you're on the wing. No, I'm going to be a centre oh, now. No, I'll be here for the next five minutes gonna, or so. I'm going to look more of a 12 than I did when I played at 12. Yes. Interesting stuff. He was brilliant. And I did think that it was a very telling sort of selection. And I, I, You could sort of see Sean Edwards basically just going, I know exactly how to shut down Josh Adams. And just doing that. And sticking Fiku on him. And that was that. And I just think that's... France are going to come back to haunt Wales a lot for the next four years in that regard. But uh, we will see. So there you go. Um, Italy... Good test match. Hmm? Good test match. Best though. game That's of good. the weekend, let's be honest. Yeah, it was really great to watch. Six... Yeah, Probably the best game of Six Nations so <laughs> It didn't so sound far. like we thought it was great, but it was genuinely no. a really good game. Yeah. A thumper. Um... Speaking of not the great games. 
Fucking hell. This was absolute bobbins, wasn't it, Ireland-Scotland? When it's a rugby game, not a rugby game. When it's whatever the fuck Scot- Italy scotland was. Honestly, just a fucking dirge of shite. I found it weird watching Italy because it was like they simultaneously look like this is an unfair scoreline, but also that they absolutely deserve to get nilled all at the same time. It was really, really strange. I didn't know really how to how to express it. They were rancid. Let's not beat around (laughs) the bush. Like Scotland were poor, Italy were fucking rancid, and. Hogs try, though. Hogs try. I mean, this thing, that was the one fucking thing that... I mean, it was wonderful. It was beautiful. It was glorious, fuck it, I'll do it myself stuff. That's what I love about him. You can see as he runs towards the line, and and I think he has a half a thought to go, I should probably kick this, but then you can almost palpably (laughs) feel him make the decision to go, oh, fuck it, they're having this now. I I can't fucking trust any of these pricks. (laughs) But that because the the step and then the hitch kick for the outside break, man, it it was oh, it was so good. It was great. It was absolutely fantastic, and it it was the one competent thing that anyone did in this game. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's the, it I mean, well, Scotland defended shit, well. Mate. Scotland defended well. They but, did, although I Italy mean, didn't exactly make them work for it. Yeah, they weren't but, exactly well, playing against the nineteen ninety five All Blacks, were they? But yeah, it's a, no. Well, like, let me be honest. With you, the most, the biggest thing that I took from this game was how what an amazingly terrible advert for both rugby and, and the referees ruining games. Yeah, and referees ruining games by being absolutely fucking piss poor at the breakdown. Like, fans get annoyed by refs who whistle too much and they're too pernickety, and they say, "Oh, let the game flow." Ben O'Keefe basically allowed both sides to do whatever they wanted on the deck. Uh, there was hands on the ground coming back to the ball. They weren't releasing, and it just made it unwatchable. Because I mean, Scotland got the better of it because they had three fucking breakdown specialists on the field, and so they were just constantly clamped all over the ball. And it's like every single time somebody had a hand on the ground, somebody wasn't supporting their body weight, and he was blowing up. And not just Scott, you know, it was Italy as well, both sides, and it just all it did was just ruin every sort of time any kind of team got a bit of momentum going, it was just like, oh, it's time for a turnover now because I can't be bothered to watch if somebody's got their fucking hands on the floor. <laughs> he was fucking atrocious. He's not the three best. Three games, three fucking atrocious. Three games, three fucking atrocious referees. It was just piss poor. But he was really... Like, honestly, by the end of it, I was just like, I cannot watch him just allow players to just put their hands on the deck and come back to the ball for the 700th time this game. I just don't know what, I just don't understand it. Why as a ref would you just go, ah, it's fine. That's not causing a problem. Because it is. It's terrible. Have we made a a game that people can't ref properly? Or you have to be so talented to be able to ref it properly that it becomes nigh on impossible? That's my worry. Because when when the, the majority of referees that are coming through, either we're all we're all too harsh a judge on the reality of it, or it's just too hard to referee. Because people like Barnes and an Owens, hard sport to referee. Barnes and Owens were kind of an exception, weren't they? Angus Gardner can be annoying, but I think he's okay. But I mean, okay. Piper is universally awful. Roman Poit is bizarrely mad. I actually quite like Jerome yeah. Garces, actually. I know that's not a popular yeah. opinion, but I actually quite like him. 
yeah, I don't mind Garcia. He's a bit fussy, Luke but he's all right. I like him. Luke Pierce is coming through. He's okay. But yeah, it's it's Carly was Carly was terrible on the weekend. Let's be honest. That um, was, you know, I thought I didn't think he was honest. We didn't talk. We didn't talk about the penalty try penalty incident. That was that quite was... clearly a penalty try. However, I will say about Carly is that the TMO the same opinion as him. And I know that he should, as the ref, make the final decision. But actually, there was nobody saying to him, "I think that's what it might be." You know, it was. So that was that was odd. I thought he did all right. I, I don't think he was as bad as... But that decision was fucking horrible. But I think generally... And th- it always comes back to that point for me, that referee with some empathy. Empathy works both ways. You should know as a ref that he knew exactly what he was doing there. Yeah. Exactly what he was doing. Yeah. And, and I think that's what made... You know, not so much Nige anymore, but certainly Nige in the... Uh, hmm. In his golden best ref in the world period was, you know... Um, we have like there's a <laughs> empathy like you say is such an important part and you have to play you have to learn the, you have to be ref in the game for long enough almost to understand it in a way that you can referee with, with empathy mm-hmm. and with understanding of what's going on while not because I think it's too many refs have looked at what Nige used to do and just gone, oh, you just basically let everything go and everyone has a great time. You try and be charming but and then not... off we go, yeah. But that's absolutely not how it fucking works. Like, you've got a... <laughs> We're at a point where I don't see how rugby can carry on with the calibre of refs that we've got and the complexity of the rule book without the game, the game becoming regularly quite unwatchable. And that scares the piss out of me, but... I don't see it's any evidence like... of, a, of a critical mass of unwatchable games. I don't. I, I don't. I don't no, I'm not no. anything well, think, like as categorical as that. I but... think I'm seeing. No, that was kind of like a bad outlier. But more and more, I'm seeing. Um, I'm seeing stuff, and I'm just going, "How? Why are you letting that go?" You know, whether it is, you know, dangerous clearouts, whether it is breaks down shit, whether it is, you know. It it doesn't really kind of matter what it is. It's like if if the game's too hard, we need to simplify it. We need to streamline it. Hmm. Maybe we should just and, um, yeah. knock a couple of players out of it. Have six tackles, something like that. Or maybe yeah, not. Yeah, six tackles. <laughs> yeah, so we get rid of the scrums as well. Yeah, and, drop the flankers uh, out. Just have six tackles. A few too. There's a few too many men on the field, isn't there? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know that the, the, the well. Let's if anybody did venture that, fucking Australia would jump all over it. They'd be delighted that that would be the, the, if that would happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, rugby union becomes incredibly popular in Australia again. <laughs> yes, we have something to fight back with. Thank you. The um, yeah. So it, yes. Anyway, back to France. The France. Back to Italy versus Scotland. It was terrible. Scotland took a win. They'll be happy with that, I imagine. They were happy Absolutely. with the nil. Wins, wins all that fucking mattered. To they Scotland had to get, as we said in the war. As we sort of said, in, yeah, as <laughs> we said, said in, yeah. in our sort of preamble, like, all they care about, all, all they cared about with that team selection was fucking winning, and they did. So job done. Job done. Uh, right then, that was the weekend. Um, Bono. What did Bono say to Ireland <laughs> to make them go that bad? You know. I mean, he's he's number one in my shit. Is he? Week. It's just Bono. I'm not saying it's why they lost, but I also think it is why they lost. Here's some YouTube. I mean, the state of it now. 
Here's some U2 songs yeah. that Bono may have used to inspire that island team, okay? Yeah. I still haven't found the ball that I'm looking for. Yeah. The shittest thing. Sometimes yeah. you can't make it in your own in goal. Sunday <laughs> fucking <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Running to stand still. Didn't even have to change that one. No. Lamo, rescue me. Oh, I mean, that's a stretch. That's a poor I'll, one. I'll have... Yeah, yeah, that's a poor yeah, one. It's I'll fine, it's fine. So there you go. Yeah, so maybe you sang all them songs, and that's what the problem was. Are we sure that was really Bono? Because, I mean... No, I'm not really sure it's really Bono at all. I think, I, I've got a feeling it was Mrs. Griffiths, my fifth-form dinner lady, as I said last <laughs> week, because that's exactly what he fucking looks like. So He's got a definite vibe of the nan about him now. And they must have thought, must they? They must have been like, who the fuck's this? I mean, they must know who he is, but it must, you know, I don't know. They're probably all listening to, to, I don't I'm going to try to say, I don't know, Billy Eilish. They're all all listening to Fontaine's DC. You know, (laughs) they're like, (laughs) yeah, it's who's, yeah, it was such a weird fucking thing. The whole thing was weird. Where did it come from and and whose idea was it? Because Bono's quite a bit, you know, whatever you might think of him, he's quite a big deal, and I think he's probably got quite a full calendar. He's an extremely, extremely famous man. So did he? Uh, did they reach out to him and go, "Hey, Paul"? Do they call him Paul? Does he get called Bono in? in... <laughs> oh, he definitely gets Paul Bono. Yeah. Hey, Paul. You know, do you fancy coming and spending time with the island team? And he went, "Oh, all right then." Or did he like desperately go, "Can I come? Can I please come and spend time with them?" Because I love, I love I mean, the way rugby. he was acting does kind of indicate that maybe he, he kind of wanted to be involved and I think he should never be involved again, frankly. There's no... <laughs> clearly, there's nothing good comes In anything, this. Bono should never be involved again, full stop. Oh, yeah, I'm certainly not in a new, another U2 album, let's be honest. I We've actually, all got the last on our phones. I actually, we all quite, know I actually quite like U2, but uh, the last album wasn't brilliant, but... Uh, I've seen them a few times. I genuinely think they write good songs, but uh, I don't know. It's all bombastic they and dreadful. But they yeah. absolutely have. I mean, I absolutely won't have a word said against Rattling Hum or Joshua Tree, to be honest. But uh, I mean, Rattling yeah. Hum, the the documentary film, contains one of the greatest pieces of like ridiculously awful rock star hubris in the world. When they filmed them going on for the encore, and um, Bono's having a go. At, Is it the end? You're Adam Clayton. He's saying to not the third verse, the fir- the second verse, like giving him like a massive bollocking. <laughs> and being a- honestly, there were so many cringe moments in that film. He laughs about that now. He said, "You know, we wanted that full like national release of it and stuff. That's how stupid we were back then." And it's the way they went to America and just discovered American music in 1987. They're like, isn't this really good? Look at all this American music. Isn't it fantastic? They've got the blues, it's called. They've got this rhythm and blues as well. You mix two things together, isn't it fantastic? Anyway, sorry, I went off on a complete random there. <laughs> this is what Bono does to people. It absolutely is. I mean, it, but I still don't believe it was Bono. It's a nan. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just somebody's nan. <laughs> you, know, you know that Alan Partridge bit with Bono? It's like, how's the edge? The edge is fine. How's Adam Clayton? Adam Clayton is fine. <laughs> Are those your mother's cataract glass? <laughs> it's, it's that level of... I mean, all many rock stars of that generation are basically ageing into nans. Mm. 
You've only got to look at Paul Weller. Ronnie Ward. Or Jeff Beck. Or Johnny Marr. <laughs> you know. <Yes>. Stop dyeing <laughs> your hair and doing your hair like that. Yeah, you do your hair like that. You are going to age into a nan. Feather cuts with dyed hair actually. when you're old just make you look like a nana, yeah, or a dinner lady, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Where were we? Bon- See, Bono is shit because he's just taken up at least five minutes think, of the podcast. I think, I think we were going to do... Yeah, Bono was going to be my shit, so maybe we should carry on from there. The post-match interviewer asking Romain Antimac, after three wins, do you dare to dream? And he went... Yeah. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you see, English is a very idiomatic language and it doesn't <laughs> translate to other things. That reminds me of when... <laughs> do you remember Michele... Ca- we also ask stupid questions. Do you remember Michele Campagnaro? Was it against Wales he made? He, he had that brilliant game that year. Yes, it and was, And after yeah. somebody interviewed him, and he's he's fine, obviously, with his English chat now, but back then he, he was like, I'm sorry, my English, you're not very good. Sorry <laughs> not for the very good. No, very yeah. good. And the next question was, it was a very attritional match, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he just had this completely blank look on his face, bless him. Like... Thinking, what the fuck am I supposed to say to this in English? <laughs> My <laughs> English are not very good. It's a very attritional it match. Wasn't wasn't very it? Attritional. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, oh, stop asking me. ridiculous questions in English idioms to people who don't speak yeah. English. And it's the fact that it was about the fourth question as well, and he'd quite yeah. clearly been speaking in broken English for the previous yeah. three questions. He's managed better than your Italian, but he's still <laughs> clearly struggling. How about you just fucking? Give this guy a couple of underarm pitches and let him fucking go and sit in the changing <laughs> exactly. rooms. Are you very proud today? You know, things yes. like that. <laughs> yes, yeah. I am. Yeah. If you say, if you ask someone that, who knows? You might get a fucking Euro, your man from Uruguay all over again. You know. <laughs> yes, that's true. I was thinking about my father who played for France, and I'm so proud. And now we're we're doing so well. We might get a Jean Michel Jarre will turn up next week to the camp, like. <laughs> One for the kids um, there. Um, anyway, no so in camp. Right then, you go Johnny any... Holiday. Let's face it. Have you got any more um, shits? Shits. Oh yeah, uh, Zilocchi, the Italian tight who didn't last the first <laughs> half. <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. <laughs> in addition to being the most penalised player in the Six Nations before the game, he then basically whistled himself off the park, <laughs> which. Yes. I'll just get off now, shall I? I'll just fucking fuck off. And then he had to come back on later <laughs> on. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you get another bite of being a complete shit bag again. Um, uh, what else? You know, shit. Andy and Brum gets in touch. He says Farrell Senior's inability to create a defensive formula to counteract the devious tactic of kicking the ball in behind the defensive line. Couldn't cope last year, couldn't cope this year. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We need to. I mean, the rugby ball is, uh, you know, bounces in a cliche. funny way. Yes, it bounces. Does bounce in a funny way? But fuck me. You know what the answer to that so is? Don't the let the fucker fuck bounce and actually have and be in the right position. Yeah. <laughs> the positioning was unbelievably bad, and both. And I just couldn't believe it happened twice. I was just sitting there agape <laughs> at how stupid they could be to let that happen once, nay twice. After the last two times, anyway. Toast and Marmite gets in touch and says that shit is damn big as constantly being in the ref's ear and generally being a total shit mangle for 80 minutes. 
<laughs> Whether uh, I agree I with that or not, that's a very good word. It's <laughs> a great word. And he said, why Mumra the ever-living? Every... Why Mumra the ever-living? Everyone in England, fucking Ireland. Yes. That was, it was that the most whingy game in the history of fucking rugby? Because no cunt on that field shut up for the entirety of that 80 minutes. It, is... it was unbearable. Fucking I don't like the pearl clutching. Be deaf. We don't like the pearl clutching thing about rugby, do we? You know, and we don't think yeah. that there's a moral thing that we should be that proud of. However, one of the things that did make rugby different is that you didn't have the constant fucking cacophony of players banging on and on all the fucking time. Bearable from both sides. It was just like, how the fuck has Piper not marched this every team back about a hundred yards at some point in this game? Farrell wouldn't shut up. Fucking Youngs wouldn't shut up. Todje wouldn't shut up. Laws wouldn't shut up. Fucking Sexton wouldn't shut up. Murray wouldn't shut up. Stander wouldn't shut up. It was relentless. Everyone was... And to bring it back to Toast and Marmite tweets, Dan Bigger did not fucking shut up either. Oh, fucking right, he didn't shut up. You know, a bit like the the point we were making before about New Zealand and the offside line and Ireland and, and, and some of the clearouts and the angles of their clearouts... Dan Bigger's the same for me. I don't know how somebody hasn't just got hold of it and dealt with it. At the end of the tweet, it toes Marmite says, Why Mum rather ever living didn't grip him and chin that's that's Alan Wynne Jones, obviously, and chinning one will forever be a mystery. Because obviously nobody can control this thing within him. Can't but mind you, why would you need to control it when he never gets penalised for it? Yeah, he never gets penalised for it. And if anything, he usually gets good I think that's because as much as he whinges he doesn't whinge in a way that often pisses referees off. Which you is really weird because it's a really shitty way of whinging. It really, sounds, whinging. It's really awful. sounds annoying to His me. His face like, is really slappable when he's doing it and everything. Yeah. But like, you know, contrast that with the way that Sexton clearly got himself on the bad side of Piper almost instantly with the way that he acted. And to be honest with you, with the way that Alan Wynn got himself on the wrong side of the ref, <laughs> he did, by just yeah. absolutely losing his shit over that fucking, the penalty try that should have been that wasn't, you know. He had quite a bad game, to be honest, on all round. He didn't, and... he, he, we don't say it often, do we? Because he is immortal, no. but um, he did have quite a poor game, yes. And I think that played into his fucking... But he's not, not usually that and not in control, but he was fucking borderline raving by the end of that game. And I think it contributed a lot to the fucking pointless fucking handbags that we had at the end, which I, I can't believe people are actually saying it's a good thing when nobody actually threw a punch. It's like... Nobody ever does anymore. Sake. <laughs> What's the thing? If you want to talk about fucking, ooh, isn't it good to see them all getting into a little... No. If they'd have been fucking windmilling, then we'd have had something entertaining to talk about. <laughs> Either do it properly or don't bloody do it at all. Yeah. Get yourself sighted for actually chinning someone. Fake or don't fucking bother. hard men everywhere. Fuck off. Uh, what have we got here? Rob Jones gets in touch and he says, shit, his team's celebrating scrum penalties, which all, all of which are a bit dubious, let's be honest, like they've won the World Cup. Uh, he then fact, said, hashtag, yes. and I think he meant to write bunch of dickheads, but he wrote butch of dickheads. B-U-C-H, or book <laughs> of dickheads, which I quite like, Rob. I might use Bush that of dickheads. <laughs> Butch of dickheads, yeah. Um, but yeah, it is, it's the same. It's just it's, incredibly un... It's the NFL un- thing, isn't it? Why are you all fucking slapping each other's helmets because you've tackled somebody? 
I know it's a different game and all that stuff. That's like it means something in the NFL. Fucking getting a scrum penalty doesn't mean fucking jack shit. Well, it can do something. And also, it doesn't mean you... But it doesn't mean you've done anything. You've actually usually actually done anything. Usually it's just the referee's decided it's your turn. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Let's be honest. (laughs) Why have you not given it to Blue? Um, Uh, Blue's my mother's favourite colour, that's why. So, uh... um, Yeah, I did give it to Blue down there. So (laughs) I really thought that uh, Reg should have to go up here. So, you know. Also got here, Ben Smith gets in touch. Um, Not that one, I'm I'm assuming. Um, From account. No, and I've managed to put... Oh, hang on. Oh, hang on, yeah. He says, shit, the lack of attention to some frankly dangerous clear-outs from James Ryan. I'm sure he's not the only example, but a couple of his really stood out. Somebody's going to get badly hurt. Yes, agree completely. We've discussed this already. Mm. Have you got any more shit? Uh, I was just going to say Johnny Sexton, but I feel like you said <laughs> again. Better, what else have you got to say? <laughs> I mean, it's just it was fucking atrocious, and I feel like I can't talk about it enough. How so bad was he? Was he, and how scarcely believably awful he played? <laughs> and it went, but it went bad very early. His first couple of kicks, you were like, Ooh, literally mm. for a minute. The second he came out on that pitch, it was like, have you been fucking replaced by some sort of? They just looked like they'd been lobotomized. Maybe that's what, like, maybe Bono lobotomized them by making them <laughs> listen to that last U2 album in their sleep. What's it or called? Something. Songs of fucking patience and grace. Or was it called? Uh, songs of innocence and experience. Oh, I there you it's go. Called, yeah. I know because that's the only fucking album that's actually on my phone that, like, they they think somebody I've actually bought when I haven't. They just forced although it I will on put me. my neck on the line and say every breaking wave off that is actually all right. But um, <sighs> I mean that's that's a bold strong. I don't, I, I don't know. I couldn't fucking pick that song out of. In... <laughs> yeah, it's not brilliant, know. but it, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got here? Shit. Stu C says, shit is commentary calling Bamba not a good scrummager. And then good was the <laughs> French pack not even buying the Welsh dinner before the scrum immediately after those words were said. Yes. That was the famous scrum that um, Wayne Pivak said that Demba Bamba went like sideways on, which he quite clearly didn't. That's the other thing. No. <laughs> you That's know. The thing. You know, there are lots of things you can making pick. Shit up, yes. Like it's. Like, I won't go back into it again. But he is basically just. It's it's not befitting of a man in his position to be quite so fucking obviously wrong and just making things up. Anyway, I did love Denver um, Bamba's double fist pump though. After after winning, yeah, he was pass. allowed. He was like, yeah, he just stood up with both his fists in the air. They all went fucking bananas. The French said. I mean, to be fair, if you manage to win a penalty on your own line in a scrum five meters out, yeah. that is completely acceptable to have a bit of a cheer and a, and a oh yeah, and yeah a slap yeah. on the back for everybody. I think. Other than that, no, I'm, I'm with uh, I'm with what Rob said. Have you got any more shit before we move on to good? Uh, not for me. Let's do good. Good, you go. Uh, well, my first good, uh, we've talked about Gail Fico already, obviously, uh, and very good he was too. Um, we talked about Stuart Hogg. Uh, we haven't really talked about Itoje being king of the dicks this weekend, but he really was turbo fucking Itoje in all of the correct ways. That fucking tackle and rip strip that he did was... Yes. Just the charge outrageous. down we've talked about. The charge After down being told to get back and not charge down. Yeah, I'm still going to fucking charge it yeah. down because I'm basically fucking... Because I'm basically like the fucking Terminator in Terminator 2. 
Apple fiction. He was that was as good a game as I've seen him play. He was astonishingly good. He was astonishingly good. Um and again, you go back a few weeks and he was so poor against France. And yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in quite the funk. Ben Smith also said in his tweet, he said, good was Itoje's elevation of shithouse, which is something approaching an art form. Yeah. Well, in I all the best possible ways. Yeah. He was doing everything well, including all the bits about being a dickhead. Um, I want to, one thing I do, you know, in a, in a truly fucking moribund Wales performance, Justin Tipperick continues to defy belief just because I lost count of the number of times where he was, and I started watching for it, such was the total fucking drudgery of everything else that we were doing. I started watching how often Justin Tipperick was the first man at either a defensive or offensive ruck. And it was about 60% of all rucks somehow Justin Tipperick's the first man there. And it's like, how? It's not fucking possible. It's like he can be the sporting man at a ruck on one side of the pitch, and then a phase later, he's popping up and he's somehow the first man on the other side of the pitch. I would love to see his fucking meet, like that GPS thing that they wear. I would fucking love to see his fucking heat map of where he, like, because it defies belief. Like, he didn't have a brilliant game aside from that, but it's just like that guy. Could not work harder for Wales. <laughs> have you said, sorry, you say the heat map. Have you seen these new these new graphics they keep putting up? Oh my god! About where the so, dominant tackles are happening and and so the different pointless. the different sections of the twenty two that they go into. And what's funny then is, is that one the pointless and nothing summed up Jiffy really more than when it came on and he went and the first thing he said they put one of them up and the first thing he said was so here we are now. And then you can always think, I've got no fucking idea what to say about this. It's a combination of, it's a pointless graphic, and you blatantly haven't prepared for it either, which is absolutely what you do now. But, um, yeah, and, and, and they're on BBC the and ITV. I thought, when I first saw it yeah, on ITV, I thought, it's fucking, obviously... it's a Six Nations sponsored fucking Accenture thing, isn't it? I don't know who it is, but it's staggering how pointless it is and how nobody really knows what to fucking say every time they pop up on the screen. Well, that's the thing. It's like how many how many fucking stats do we need now? Oh, it's unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. They, we still don't have that stat that you fucking invented a couple of years ago. The effective <laughs> yes, an effective one. carry stat. I reckon yeah. that rugby college guy on Twitter, who's all over Twitter, probably has it because he's he, probably. He's doing a lot it's of like why would that stuff. not just be like the easiest if they can work it out for you? Yes, Surely and that's far more interesting in to real me time. than the areas of the pitch where the dominant tackles are happening, which is what they're showing yeah. us now. There's this big, yeah. like, fucking spam of, like, black dots where tackles are happening, and then three of them are orange for dominant Ooh. tackles, and it was like... Dominant. And you can see... And one of them and, it's like, and then it's like, yeah, a dominant tackle means it, it changes the momentum of the game. It's like, well, momentum's made up, so... <laughs> yes. <laughs> It literally changes the momentum of somebody when they're running. I'll let, I'll give yeah, them that one. All tackles do that though. <laughs> yes, indeed, quite. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, I did love as well, which is I can't remember if it's good or shit. Was Scott Hastings apropos of nothing going? I was considering the writings of a Roman philosopher last week who said that there is no such thing as pure pleasure. And it was like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? 
Well, are you trying to get out of saying the fact that your fucking nephew or whatever he is is having a fucking stinker? <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk stuff. I'm just gonna talk about stuff. And then Johnny Wilkinson the day after. You know, at this stage in my life, I'm really, really fascinated by the <laughs> mental side of things. <laughs> because I'd love to be in the room with these people after this meeting and talk about how it, how this performance fits on the overall journey that they're on. It's like, fuck off, Johnny. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, the punditry is not good at the moment, is it? Let's be honest. No, and actually, it, it's, I, it's... I'd rather them go mental. Like Wilkinson and Hastings did, and do what Jiffy did this weekend, which is just be terrible and unprepared. And be an, an utter homer. An yeah. horrendous, horrendous fucking Horrend- homer. Yeah. yeah. Shouting off fucking microphone and everything you could hear him at one point. It was full. The full greatest <laughs> hits of Jiffy were on display. Totally unprepared, not understanding the graphics, howling off, off microphone when Wales did something crap. It was all, it was all there for everyone to be to see. Indeed. What else we got that's good here? Ed McCartney gets in touch. He says, Good. Remain Entermax's hairdresser. After over 80 minutes yeah. of high quality test rugby and the bouffants did not budge a single inch. He didn't even sweat. <laughs> that was a remarkable yeah, no, thing. That's about the thing. He looked like in, he literally looked like he just stepped out of, you know, a salon at the start of the game and the end of the game. Which, you know, even as a fly off, you're putting some fucking tackles in. You get in your head pushed into the ground. It's remarkable. I'd love to know what products he used. And he was omnipresent. That's the other thing. He was like covering... There was really late in the game, he did that big diagonal covering defensive run and, and put somebody in touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Covered uh, yeah, and kicked, uh, didn't he? Yeah. He was, yeah. He, he was... Into, but he took it into touch with total nonchalance as well. Whereas <laughs> he was just like, yeah, Gently dropped it behind him. And he's... um, Yeah. Jalabert got on, didn't he? On the wing to he start did. with, just to add to yeah. the madness, and then came in later on. I did actually write this is shit in hell. This is, you know, France are on the back foot, they're tired, and their last five minutes will be helmed by Matthew Jalabert. Eek, this could go. But, you know, it even is. he, even he's being sensible and normal. Yeah, everyone was sensible. Like, everyone in that French team was borderline sensible, which can't be said for anyone in, on the Wales side for most of that game. And that's the big difference between in old France and new France, is they're not being mental. Dave Thomas gets in touch. He says, good is the French players bouncing around in the changing rooms to 90s banger freed from desire while wearing actual Asterix helmets. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Wonderful video. Um, but mind you, the dead ball area did chip, chip in with, said, but shit was the state of those changing rooms in a quality stadium like that in Cardiff. All the ducting well, yeah, on display, so. terrible IKEA nineties are changing facilities. After it was built in nineteen ninety nine, what exactly. do they expect? That's the thing, isn't it? Um, see, I don't like the revisionism on Freed from Desire because it was and remains fucking terrible. Yeah. Not interested at yeah. all. No, not interested, and I, I can't deal with it. Not interested. Sam Marsh says that Good was remaining Antimac. Yes, Anathem Morishard. I'm assuming he's a French person, got in touch and said, good as the French youngsters, wise beyond their years, hitting the sweet spot of socially acceptable shithousery. And also, Fiku, he's not that slow, is he? He is. He just somehow managed to use it more effectively. He is. On... He's just, he did, uh, he did, uh, like, he, he made up for the fact that he's 
that he's slow by the fact that his anticipation and his reading of the game was fucking excellent. Let's be honest. Yeah, and he also kept just like turning up in places he didn't expect. His that made him look quicker. Oh, when did you get there? Didn't see you arrive. On the twelve <laughs> channel there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, well, nice yeah. to hear you. Yeah. Um, Rod Kimball's Tash gets in touch and says, Good was France and Wales getting nostalgic and having a big scrap at the final whistle. We've already covered this. It wasn't a big scrap. No, that's the thing. There was there wasn't it wasn't a scrap has to involve at least one punch. Yes. Preferably seven punch. In fact, punches. we're making this a rule right now. That a scrap you yeah. cannot call yeah. it a scrap. If that's not the case, then CJ CJ Standard had a scrap with Owen Farrell's arm. <laughs> <laughs> CJ, the Farrell Pistonizer machine. That was so <laughs> hilarious. How fucking powerful are CJ's quads, though, mind? He was literally just lifting oh, up a 15 stone man <laughs> off the floor repeatedly with one leg. It was great, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it all the more for Farrell getting unbelievably pissy about it as well when it's like, mate, you did the fucking crime. I don't know. He you did actually get punched. Like... <laughs> I don't have much. Well, he got open, open, he got open hands in the arm. It's like if you get, like you do deserve getting punched directly in the face for that. If you're going to do that to somebody at the base of the right, as far as I'm concerned, all bets are off. Like I'm not saying that CJ Sanders shouldn't then have also got sent off for it, but it's like if you put yourself in that position, you should expect some rough. Ju- you know, back in the day, you'd have got six metal studs in your face. <laughs> you would have done, yeah. So. <laughs> I also I quite admire Farrell for just continuing to hold on beyond a point of comfort or, you know, and it, it was so pointless to keep doing it. And yet he just did. I'm just going to keep holding on to his leg for the 50th pistoning I'm going to get. <laughs> uh. Right, who we got here? Get, James Gork, Roger gets in touch. He says, good is 60 points to 10. I repeat, 60 points to 10. James always sends a Wasps-related tweet in every week. And uh, he's obviously very happy. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Didn't see that one fucking coming, did fucking we? didn't. Who the fuck's going to see that coming? Wasp hammering yeah. Saracens by fi- on a 50-point fucking spread. No chance. <laughs> Unbelievable. Joe Taring gets in touch and says, Good is Chesley Colby doing his bit to prove Eddie Jones right, that apparently positions on the rugby pitch are irrelevant now by deciding he's going to be a playmaking, goal-kicking 10. I've missed this, <laughs> but I'm going to go and look for highlights immediately. <laughs> Oh, did you not see that? No. Oh, mate. Yeah, you're in for a treat. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's something to look forward to after I finish editing this. Um, Ali McFarlane gets in touch and says, the Mish back to his best and his one-man his one man lift choke tackle. He did play very well, didn't yes, he? Yes, he did play very, very well indeed. Have you got any more good? No, I think we're done. Let's draw this to a close, shall we? Thank you, Let's. everybody, for listening and thank you, everybody, for your company and your support. We'll see you all next week because that's what we when won't see. You. Maybe some, when well, maybe some rugby will happen, or maybe it will all be called off because of that's pandemic. True. We'll see. Pandemic. Right then. Yeah. See you all soon. Take care, Tara. Tara. You might hear the word insolvency and think companies, but insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone. You could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due. You're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay. Or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland, or ISI, has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt, from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text GET HELP to 50015. The ISI. 
Together, we'll get you back on track. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.